0: Again, you know, when when the new year begins, there's a lot of times, a lot of preparation and focus and... Uh, you know, wanting to know, Lord, what is it you want me to preach and the direction you want us to go. Again, this is uh, uh, different than just the, the annual theme that of not being ashamed. There's other things that, Lord, uh, I want to know what you want me to preach. I want to know what our people need, our church, again, through the preaching of the Word of God. So there's been a lot of time in prayer that I know many pastors spend and and, and want to consult and talk and, and just get a hold of God's heart. What is it that God wants me to preach? And, uh, you know, Many of you know that I normally don't do a lot of series-type sermons, um, you know, other than going through the Book of Ezra on Sunday night, things like that. Uh, Sunday mornings, I really don't. But the Lord had directed me to something and and uh, given me uh, a thought to consider what we believe and know about this subject of joy. So over the next few weeks. Um, the Lord has given me quite a few directions as far as that goes of looking at joy And tonight or tonight, this morning, right now, whatever, we're going to look at this subject of joy and, uh, again, hopefully draw some things from it that, uh, we can use throughout this coming year. But in doing this and thinking about this, a uh, question came to mind, what is true joy? You stop to think about in your life, what is true joy? What is our definition? What do we mean or what do we know about this idea of joy? You know, uh, a lot of times we maybe think of the acronym of Jesus, others, and yourself, kind of puts it in perspective on how we're to maybe to achieve joy or to get joy. But what is the actual definition of this term joy? One author wrote this He said, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we read that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The Greek word here means an inner gladness, a a deep pleasure, which comes from an inner assurance and confidence that God does all things for His good purposes. This joy is not the same as the joy found in the world, which gives you temporary pleasure and is nagged by some incompleteness. In truth, joy found in worldly ways leaves a haunting awareness that something could arise and rob that joy. Joy received from God gives Christians the assurance that He does all things well for those who seek Him with all of their heart. So there's a big difference in what we understand uh, coming from a world's perspective of what joy could be and what God has given us in His idea and definition of joy. But this is what each one of us probably want for the coming year. I would say that each one of us would say for 2023, uh, I, want, uh, I want some excitement. I want some, some greatness. I want to see God move. I want to see all these different things uh, that God has for me. But as we look here in the, the book of Isaiah, we come to chapter number 12. Da- chapter number 12, again, is a very long chapter, all six verses, which we'll cover this morning, by the way. I know it's long. But it's a, again, it's a song of joy. It's a song of, of praise from the nation of Israel, again, as they were thanking God for what He had done. So let's look here at Isaiah chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. It says, And I say, Oh, excuse me, it doesn't say that at all. I say it. Let me try this again. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me, and that anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people. Make mention that His name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for He hath done excellent things that is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. This morning, we find in this chapter four actions to help us understand and attain joy. Four things that we can do this morning that will help us with this subject of joy. But let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for the time we've had already to sing your praises. Thank you for the fellowship that we've been able to enjoy together. Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we've opened up your word as we've read this chapter. Again, it's something that you've given for us as your children, Lord, to learn from, to apply, and help us to do that. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts today as only you can. Lord, that if someone is here, is not saved. Lord, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, maybe someone's here that's not um, fully understanding or appreciating the joy that you've given to us as believers. Lord, help us to understand that as well. Lord, just work in our lives as only you can. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen we were to analyze the book of Isaiah, we could go back and find in chapters 1 through 39 a recap of the events that's leading up to the captivity of the nation of Israel. The rest of the book is more focused on the, the predictions and the promises uh, beyond their captivity. And that's, uh, again, as we're looking here, we understand where we're at in this idea of understanding what God is, is trying to tell them. But the first action I want us to, to look at and we find here uh, in seeking joy is the compassion of the Lord. Number one this morning is the compassion of the Lord. That's what we find there in verse number one. In essence... What we find is, leading up to the chapter number 12, is all that God had done for the, nation of, the uh, nation of Israel. The crossing of the Red Sea. The deliverance from the wilderness. Again, being saved from the hands of their enemies. Isaiah is reminding them, although they had been through many trials, they've had some difficult times, that God is still the one that's in control. And this is why we find in verse number 1, it's beginning with this phrase, And in that day, it's a conjunction combining these two thoughts that we have looked at this morning. First of all, we find is the problems. Your problems, your trials, your disobedience has caused God to show His righteous anger toward His children. Now again, He allowed the nation of Israel to become, uh, be brought into captivity because they refused to listen and follow God. So there was a reason for His anger. And I'm afraid there are many Christians today who get out of the will of God and begin to suffer the consequences. Then they blame God for the outcome. And it's sad. By the way, that's the easy way out. Human nature seems always to cast blame on someone else for our own wrongdoings. This goes all the way back to the very beginning. We stop and look at Adam and what he had done. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 12. It says, And the man said, The woman whom thou hast uh, given to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now, Adam was not blaming Eve, by the way, for the wrong fruit. He was blaming God for the wrong companion. Again, he wasn't addressing Eve. He was addressing God, talking to him. This woman you gave me, that's the problem. He didn't take ownership of his own situation. Uh, Again, as believers, we know that God is complete. And perfect and right. And what we have in our hands this morning is His perfect word that we can look at, that we can draw from, and help us know what God wants us to do. We know that we are to follow His commands. We know that there are His general will, if you would, of things that we, again, talked about in Sunday school this morning, that we are to pray, we're to read, we're to witness, we're to do all these things just as believers. But when we decide to go our own way and do our own thing, God tries to correct us and bring us back just like any other good father would try to do to his children. Well, when that happens, we act like every other selfish child, toddler in the, in the nursery of life, if you would. And we, we get mad. We get, we, get, uh, uh, we get angry at what's going on. And we, we, we lash out to the one that's usually in charge. That's kind of how it works out. We push back harder and harder. And then when we get our own way it's kind of like what Romans chapter 1 of verse 28 tells us that we are given over to our reprobate mind that we are not doing the things which are convenient or right or proper we're doing our own will and then if we were to actually submit to that authority that God has placed in our lives things would be much better but during that time of rebellion we kick we scream we fight anything and everybody that's possible Never taking accountability of our own decisions. As verse number 1 says, Though thou wast angry with me. There's times that God is angry with us because of our decisions. And we need to understand that and recognize that that's creating problems in our lives. Our decision is affecting more than just right now. It's affecting a, 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 a plethora of people and, and situations in our lives because we're not following what God wants us to do. And there are times we have to look at that and understand, Thou wast angry with me, and that's what Isaiah was trying to tell them. Thou wast angry with me, God, you were angry with me. That anger is turned away now, and thou hast comforted me. What a wonderful blessing to stop and think about the, the comfort that God gives us and brings to us. This is God's compassion, His heartfelt love that is worthy of our praise. Isaiah said there in verse number one, I will praise thee. It was not a suggestion... Or an acknowledgement of what he needed to do. But it was a, 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 him sugge- saying that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm putting in my life. This is the direction I'm going to go. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you God. I'm going to make it a, a purpose in my life to make sure I do that. And we have to do that as believers. We have to do that. Because if not, Satan will try to drive us away from never praising God. Or we focus on something else or someone else. We understand the problems. If we're not doing them. We'll never be able to praise God. There are many people who claim salvation, but they have lost their joy because they don't see God's compassion. Stop and realize what you deserve this morning. What is it that we deserve? We deserve hell. We deserve nothing good. We deserve nothing that God has blessed us with. But yet, because of His compassion... Because of who He is, He has given us so much. He has brought so much into our lives and helped us and blessed us far beyond we could ever recognize or realize. And that is worthy of our praise. Why? Because God is faithful. I love how the hymn writer penned it. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Has, as thou hast been, forever wilt thou be. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm so thankful that God is much more faithful than I am, that His faithfulness never fails. It's renewed day by day. God is worthy of our praise, and we should learn to recognize the compassion of the Lord. This will help us have that joy that God offers to all of us. And When we do that, we can have the confidence in God. Number two this morning is the confidence in God as we look there. Verse number two. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Isaiah starts off with that attention uh, attention grabber. Behold, hey, 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 everybody. I'm going to try to get your attention. I've got something important that I want to share with you. I've got something good that you need to hear. And that's what Isaiah is trying to say here. Look, I've got something you need to get a hold of. He said, I will trust. And not be afraid. How many of us this morning can actually say that? That we're able to trust in God and not be a- afraid. Isaiah's confidence was settled and strengthened in what he knew and what he understood about God. Although I trust God, there are times that I've become afraid. There's times that I'm afraid that I'm not going to say the right thing. I'm not going to do the right thing. I'm not going to go where I should be or whatever the case. A lot of times, we get caught up with that idea of fear. And it's sad because... If we're trusting God as we're supposed to be, if we're doing what He has called us to do, we should never worry about fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, Timothy says. But again, oftentimes we get caught off guard, we go down the wrong path, we get off track with what God has for us, and we're not able to understand that what God is doing for us. I know we're human. We all make mistakes. We, we have those uh, uh, fallible tendencies in our hearts and lives. But again, we've got to understand we place ourselves in Him, in Christ. Allow Him to lead us and direct us. We can have confidence in our life. We need to be the, the ones that are confident. We need to stand up and stand strong for what we believe. Be confident in the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalms 118.8, it's better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust God than in my own will, in my own ways. It's better to say, Lord, what is your will? Because mine is always flawed. I will fail. What is your will? Help me to understand that. Help me to know that. Isaiah knew he couldn't trust himself for anything. He had to place his confidence in the Lord Jehovah. Notice what he said there. The Lord Jehovah is my strength. For us to have any type of strength in this life to accomplish any good for God, we must learn to trust God for it. Jesus is recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen, and verse number five: "I am the vine; you are the branches. Ye that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But without me ye can do nothing." Without Christ, without God in us, without following Him, we can do nothing. We have no strength in and of ourselves. It is all of God. Without that confidence in God's strength, we cannot do anything. I remember back in, a long time ago we'll say. There was a song that was released, I think we were in high school. Uh, That's how long ago it was. I remember the song that was released and it was such an encouragement to me. And through the years, again, thinking back on this song, speaking of God's strength. And I want to share with you just the first verse in the course. And I'm not going to even try to sing. And I thought about it. I was like, no way. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show. No glory of my own. Yet in my weakness, he is there to let me know. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us When we can't, carry on. Raised in his power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. The second part of God's confidence that Isaiah shares there in verse number 2 is reflected in my song. Notice what he said there. My song. This is derived from a song that Moses sang back in Exodus, chapter number 15, verse number 2. It says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare Him an a habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. This was sung by the children of Israel as they crossed over the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army had drowned. It was a great victory, and it only came about because they placed their confidence in God. Stop and think about where they were at. They had no way to cross the Red Sea. They had no way to going back. They couldn't go to the left. They couldn't go to the right. They were kind of bottlenecked in where they were at. They had to trust in God. They had to have that confidence as God was leading them in that direction. When they finally surrendered and said, yes, Lord, we're going to put our confidence in you. That's when God showed himself mighty. Isaiah made this personal. He stated, this is my song. Let me ask this question this morning. What is your song? What is your life? Where has God brought you from and where are you going? This is a question that many people cannot answer today. They try to take control of their lives. They try to to fulfill their own destiny. And they fail to ever ask God, what is it that you want me to do? What is the direction you want me to go? And they never fulfill God's plan for their lives. But the greatest song that can ever be sung is that of God's salvation. Again, at the end of verse number 2 there, Isaiah says, He also has become my salvation. Accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift that He has offered to all of mankind is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Because He is the one that has provided something far better than we could ever imagine. Knowing that we have done wrong knowing that we have sinned against the Creator God, but that we can go to Him and ask for that forgiveness, and that He is always faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as the Bible says. There's a lot of people today that stop and think, well, I've done too many things. I've done this and I've done that. God could never forgive me. Yes, He can. He can. With a humble heart as we present ourselves before God, asking Him, seeking Him, He is always faithful to forgive us. We understand we can't save ourselves. This is why, again, God provided a way, a very simple way for all of mankind to accept that we can have that relationship restored. My strength, my song, and my salvation are all provided by the confidence that we have in God. And that is the action that will help us achieve that joy. The third action that I want us to see this morning as we again think of this idea of joy is to call on his name. Number three this morning, call on his name. Look with me at verses three and four again. It says, therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted. We have salvation, as I mentioned, because the Lord offered us a way to be reconciled to God. But how often do we get excited about being God's children? You know, there's people that are more excited about getting a root canal than they are about uh, being called a child of God. They, uh, again, they're more thrilled about being accepted by the world and what they have to offer than understanding what God has done on the cross for them. Verse number 3, again, gives us a picture of someone working in a hot day. And finally, being able to get a drink of water. Drawing from that well of water, that salvation that has been given to them. Is far greater than anything else. Because nothing can quench that thirst like that water. There's nothing that can refresh us like that water. There's nothing that can recharge us like that water that is springing up that God has given us through His salvation. How often do we share with others what God has done for us? Do we stop and think about that excitement that God has given us? I know we have times during our services that we we, uh, share the praises and things like that. and That's great. I'm glad people have the opportunity to do that. But how often do we do that outside of these walls? Do those that are around us know what God has done in our lives? Do we uh, praise Him just like we do in here? Or is that just simply contained in this auditorium? I hope not. I hope you're sharing that with other people. I hope that they can see how God is working in your life. How, uh, again, He's blessing you in a variety of different ways. Because God does truly bless us. Far beyond what we could ever imagine. What we could ever dream. What we ever deserve. Isaiah reminded them of the blessings that God had provided. We can go back and look at Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18. And see how God offered them forgiveness. This is also... Think about their restoration that he had offered them in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 26. Also, uh, chapter 11 and verse number 10. Their deliverance from the hand of the enemy. Their direction from the promised land. On and on, Isaiah again reminds them of all the goodness that God has given the nation of Israel. And I know we've probably looked at that many times before. We may have gone back and read different accounts and think, Wow, uh, God surely was patient with them. Was forgiving to them. Showing them so many blessings on and on. But he does that for us today. He continues that same process today because he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So when you find those promises that are in the Word of God, when you find that forgiveness that's in the book, again, think about your own life and what God has forgiven you of. There may be times when God has to remind us of those blessings. When he does, we need to make sure we share that. Psalm chapter 107 and verse number 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Has God not delivered us out of the hand of the enemy? Has He not delivered us, those of us who are saved, deliver us from the very pit of hell, the Bible says, and set us on a solid foundation? All because of who He is and His blessings from God. We shouldn't be quiet about what God gives us. We shouldn't be silent about not sharing those blessings, we need to learn to call on His name. But not just during the good times, not just during the blessings, but also during our backsliding. During the bad times, Israel again was reminded of their backsliding in chapter 1 and verse number 4. Their evil alliances that they had made in chapter 8 verse number 9. Their hypocrisy, their pride, their evil speech. And the list continues to go on and on of the things that they had allowed and done in their life. When we recognize God's blessings, that's one thing. But to call on Him while we are backslidden is even better. Because that's when we recognize our wrongdoing. When we know we've done something wrong and God is there to help us and guide us. Because He is perfect and just. Isaiah 55 verse number 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Again, there's no greater joy than having a relationship restored with God after we have drifted away. After we've, we've had problems. After we've broken His commandments. This brings us to the final action, and that is to celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate God's goodness. Look at verses 5 and 6 again with me. It says, Sing unto the Lord, for He hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Here we find another reference to music. We sing unto the Lord. We lift up our voices in one accord Proclaiming his goodness and all that he has done. We sing not to be applauded by men, not to sing of ourselves, not to exalt self, but to make known to the earth of who God is and what he has done. This is why I love singing some of the old hymns. Again, the messages that are in there are far greater than, than most songs that are sung today. They are focused on praising God, they are focusing on lifting God and all that he has done. I stop and think about the specials that are sung in our church. And I'm thankful for the the songs that are saying that they are the same way. That they are reflecting of God. It's not a person coming up to put up a concert. It's not somebody trying to outdo someone else. But it's a way for us to praise God together. To celebrate what He has done. Not only do we sing, but we should also shout as well as you find there in verse number 6. Cry out and shout. I know we're Baptists and people can't get past that sometimes. But there's nothing wrong with shouting, amen? Okay, we'll work on that one, amen. There's nothing wrong with shouting, amen? amen. Well, somebody's out of the way here, at least. We get caught up and think, worried about what somebody's going to say if we, if we shout amen. Oh, well, they're going to look at me. Who cares? We're not doing it to be recognized. We're not doing it to, to, to pat ourselves on the back or to be noticed. If God causes us and, and drives us to do something, hey, we should be excited about doing it. And we should let everybody know. So again, it's this idea of praising God. It's celebrating His goodness. But could you imagine if our church got a little excited about what God has done? Got a little pep in their step. Got a little sway in their song. Got a little volume in their voice. Somebody may think that we're alive around here. That's what we need to have. That's what we need to do. That's what needs to come out of us. Sing and shout for the Holy One of Israel is here in our midst. It all comes because of joy. It's all celebration because of joy. It all happens because of joy. Charles Spurgeon said this about joy. He said, There's a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One sad spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever he goes. But the grace of God and the joy that he gives us is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an inheritance over the lives of others. You'd be surprised what joy will do in your life and how it affects other people. You know, I kind of watch that when people come in the door. You can almost tell what kind of week they've had just the way they come in the door. So don't think that you having a bad week only affects you because it does. It can permeate to other people as well. And how do we do that? How do we fix that? We take these four actions found in this one small section of the word of God. And put them to use. Feel Christ's compassion. Have confidence in the all knowing. Ever present God. Call on his name. And recognize him for all that he does. And celebrate his goodness. You want joy in your life? You want to have more joy. As you're going through. And doing the things. Even though they may be mundane. Everyday actions. Put these in a, to use. And watch how God can give you. His joy. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads